Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are Cold War Kids and producer Lars Stahlforce to talk about how they recorded and produced the album New Age Norms 1. Cold War Kids are an American indie rock band from Long Beach, California. Made up of lead singer, pianist and guitarist Nathan Willett, bassist Matt Maust, guitarist David Kwan, drummer Joe Plummer, and Matthew Schwartz on keyboards and guitar. The group met at Biola University, Originally joining forces as a four-piece, they settled on the name Cold War Kids after bassist Matt's travels around Eastern Europe. In 2004, the band relocated to California and began recording their first EP, Mulberry Street, which went on to be released on Monarchy Music. After two more successful EPs and having developed a reputation for their energetic and impassioned live performances, the band was signed to Downtown Records in 2006, and their acclaimed debut album, Robbers and Cowards, followed shortly. In 2015, and after several lineup changes, the band released what would go on to become their highest charting single, First, spending seven weeks at number one on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart. In the space of 15 years, the band have released no less than nine albums, including two live albums, 11 EPs, and well over 20 singles. Lars Stalforce is an American musician, record producer, writer, and mixer based in California. His interest in music production began the first time he entered a studio to record drums with his own high school band. Quickly offering up his musical ideas and aesthetics to other bands, Lars gained his first credit in 2006 on the debut album from the indie electronic duo Matt and Kim. As a musician, Lars has performed and recorded with many bands, including playing keys for the progressive rock band The Mars Volta, as well as working as their studio engineer. Lars's vast range of musical interests and subtle blend of genres has helped develop his work with a range of artists. His varied credits have spanned from the noise rock band Health to singer-songwriter Joshua Spears, as well as indie pop band Foster the People, with whom he earned nominations for a Teen Choice Award and a Billboard Music Award for Top Rock Song. Today, I'm here at Iguana Studios in London, whilst Nate and Lars are joining us from their studio in North Hollywood to talk about how New Age Norms 1 was recorded and produced. And what better way to start that conversation than by hearing something from the record? This is Waiting for Your Love. Waiting for Your Love by Cold War Kids from their latest album, New Age Norms 1. And I'm very pleased to say that I have Lars and Nathan in a studio across the other side of the world. We're hooked up by technology um, from Brixton in South London to North Hollywood and Lancashire Studio. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Lars. Hello, hello. Hello. It's great to be able to speak to you. And uh, we're excited because we're going to delve deep into New Age Norms 1 by looking and listening to three tracks from the album in quite a lot of depth. Uh, New Age Norms 1 is the first of a trilogy of albums. Is that right, Nathan? Right. So how how soon are the others going to come out? Um, still finishing them. Um, one hopefully kind of midway through next year and then the third one at the end of next year. The goal. Yeah. And so yeah. am I right in thinking this is the third album that you've worked with Lars on? Oh, man. Maybe even uh, more. Uh, okay. <laughs> Dear Miss Lonely Hearts, Hold My Home, L.A. Divine. So this, this is the fourth. fourth. Yeah. Fourth. The fourth. Wow. wow. Gosh. Yeah. Amazing. <clears throat> yeah. And so um, this is uh, a brotherhood then. You know, this is yeah. like a, 
a symbiotic relationship of some kind. Yes, yeah, for sure. I think in many ways, Lars... Well, actually, with Dear Miss Lonely Hearts, it was our old guitar player, Dan, brought Lars in to kind of co-produce. It wasn't really, I think, until the next one that we started to get a little more of a... I started to understand his role, and, and we kind of like... Yeah, I don't know. Communicate better, utilize each other better, and um, yeah. So I don't know. There's a there's a lot of long stories there, but I think Lars definitely has uh, had had a huge effect on uh, Colder Kids' second half of our existence. Yeah, yeah, fascinating, and and clearly, um, clearly it's working. And so, in a way, Complainer is the first song that we're going to look at. And um, looking at the credits on on the sleeve of the album, um, there are a few different names on there mm-hmm. um, beyond yeah. uh, Cold War Kids names and beyond Lars's name um, and Complainer has some of those names on there you know, such as Bonnie McKee so, I mean, and Asa um, Tacconi and so, so when did they get into the picture you know, how, how, I'm kind of thinking that this is a slightly different way of working for Cold War Kids Definitely this song was definitely the most more outside writers than we've done before, but I think it's kind of been a progression since the last record where we had Compton, who plays drums and Electric Guest with Asa, then Asa came in on this one, and both of those guys helped out on this song and a few others. Um, Yeah. I mean, this one was... I've worked with Electric Guest. I did their last two records now. And Asa's became a good friend, and Compton actually played drums on L.A. Divine. Yes, and then Compton now was kind of a always here when we were working on the record this time. And then for a couple tracks, we wanted to try writing with Asa and it, he came in for a couple days. And I think this was actually the first thing we did okay. with Asa, I believe. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think at that point, Asa just came in with like a drum loop and then we all kind of jumped in on it. And I think it was started with that bass line. Yeah. And then Compton had... The yeah. bass, the bass in his hand, and we were kind of like uh-huh, doing this uh-huh, stompy uh-huh. thing with the drum loop, uh-huh. and then we replaced that with Compton actually playing drums in it. Yeah, right. Um, things w- with Cold War Kids is like I think you always have to use a similar sound palette with this band, and that's the piano and the certain kind of drum sounds to to make it believable that it's Cold War Kids, and you can stretch the songwriting out more if it all has a similar you know that kind of sound palette that you're using. That's interesting. So, um, so do you? What do you have of that that kind of first session when you came up with those that, mm. that you built on top of the loop? That I would need to find. But I, do you have the drum, like the verse drum loop? Yeah. Um, that's basically a, I think a room mm, mic yeah. version of the drums, and then Compton had laid that electronic beat over it with that, those like electronic toms, and so that's basically what was there the first within the first probably hour of the song. Yeah. And then the next thing was the the bass guitar. And that was like you and Compton, Nate and Compton kind of went back and forth Mm -hmm. figuring that out. So who's playing that bass? There it is. Mm, it's either (laughs) Compton or Nate. It went back and forth a bunch. I think it usually starts with Nate like you know, playing it, and then it might he might hand it over to Compton to play it down. Yeah, um, and this has all been a again like a work in progress. Uh, getting to this place now, where we we are very like not precious about who plays what, and just kind of getting the best version of the idea, and just keep moving forward. I guess the downside is that I don't remember who did what. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, mine is like I, once the idea is down, then I'm like, okay. And then I slowly start building up like, okay, is this actually the performance we're going to keep? Uh, mm-hmm. Now let's try to redo it. But I like to move quickly as far as getting ideas down just because being bogged down by like, oh, this isn't the right tone, I think usually kills mm-hmm. ideas and just, just keep it moving as fast yeah, as you, you can. Yeah, you want momentum. Yep. Why the vibe. inspiration's there. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was kind of, I think, the first day. And then I think we had a collapse, which is why we have Asa laughing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That. There it is, yeah. There's that laugh. Which we, were, we had that cranked up at one point. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, 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 yeah. But 
Um, like that kind of stuff. I love that it makes the record because it's just like that was him laughing while we were trying to get these like claps down and it was not going right. Um, but yeah, then it jumped into there's a guitar that you wrote, which became the chorus melody. I wonder if we can find that. It's in the chorus. That. Yeah. That high single note guitar. <laughs> There's something like so out of tune. I love hearing it. Like, wait a minute. I, we either were like, nah, it's cool. It's like, cool. <laughs> like, just like punching the bridge of the guitar. Or yeah, that's <laughs> but, fine. Yeah, well, you could. You guys can fix that later, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. That's funny. And that all happened in like one day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. all of that stuff came together, and then Asa kind of man what did he do again this was stretched out like yeah i feel like this record i mean la divine as well but very much the studio time with cold war kids schedule being like us gone a lot and a lot of just like fly out dates or little stretches of tour we would be in the studio for like two days yeah two days at a and time then, yeah. and then and then you know two weeks later and then five days like it just very piecemeal which i I feel like is both totally kind of how it has to be with with how our touring is, and then also it's nice getting on a plane and having Lars send me a Dropbox of a yeah, something a and be Dropbox able to live going. with it. Um, I have that emotional attachment in the moment, but then being able to have some distance, listen back, and have some objectivity and go like, does this hit me in a way that I can sort of almost forget the experience of making it and and more just um, just listen as everyone will who is not me. And uh, yeah, so after that, then we had Bonnie McKee come in one day. To, yeah, um, she like pulled it apart. And remember we had like changed it so much, changed chords, everything in it. Remember, and you were kind of like, oh, oh what yeah. are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, and, we definitely, yeah, we had a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah, and of. I was like, my thing that I was always telling Nate is like, we just take the good bits. And Bonnie's extremely talented. And she came in and jumped on the the verse and the chorus. And we ended up going back to the original chorus that we had. But the verse melody, which we, Matt can play how did you meet Bonnie? I mean, we should say that you know, she's yeah. got a well-known background for having worked with uh, people like Katy Perry and Rita Ora. Yeah. How did you hook up with her? I met her through a meeting once, and I was a big fan of hers. I think, like, Teenage Dream is probably one of my not even guilty pleasure. I think it's one of, like, the best written songs, and she wrote that vocal melody, especially that post-chorus, that Katy Perry song is insane. So I always uh, wanted to work with her, and I met her, and I was like, "That this would be, you know, definitely put Nate out of his comfort zone a yeah. little bit, but uh, which is great." And you know, yeah. she was excited, and it was really like helpful. Uh, obviously, she um, will play the other verse, but this one was just so interesting. And yeah, she does those things that are just like ear candy that get stuck in your head. Yeah, um, and it's also I think like for four beats slower which i just realized too because remember we kept speeding up and speeding it up yeah, yeah. throughout the time right up probably past after <laughs> it was well nate also has a nate will change lyrics after the final records mastered so those things will happen as well <laughs> yeah uh here we'll play the original the, this is day one demo i believe it's probably scratch lyrics even just gibberish And I think the chorus is, but it's so slow. Yeah. So there you There it is. Wow. So that's day one demo with lots of, uh, I guess, improvised bits on top to kind of give you an idea of where you might take it further. So that would have been what Bonnie would have heard when she came round to the studio. Is that right? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, within 
a few percents of that. But that's how Nate kind of does. I'll usually loop a section and let him go for like three minutes and I'll just mark melodies that I really like. And Mm -hmm. then him and I kind of sort through it and arrange it being Mm -hmm. like, this sounds like the chorus. This sounds like the verse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can change. But that's always like because he's so great at improvising that it's really easy then to like put together melodies to make a a section. Yeah. And when you improvise um, some words, do you like to have an instrument at hand or are you on the piano or are you on the guitar or do you just kind of um, listen usually to the music? just yeah he's, usually he's on just listening on a couch or <laughs> yeah just microphone in hand sometimes in the yeah. room um but yeah this was one that actually in the scratch vocal of the chorus um the last resolving phrase being don't sit around and complain about it was from maybe the first scratch demo yeah. or an early one and I will forever remember Asa being like, oh, that's rad. You sh- you know, that's obviously you should keep that kind of a whatever conversation we quickly had. But yeah, ultimately that line came from that one first writing session thing that was just an ad lib thing that uh, I'm very glad kind of slipped out. And I'm very glad we kind of stayed true to that idea because it's it's kind of like an emotion and a, th- a phrase that I don't feel like I would have stuck with had it not been for these guys encouraging me to yeah really interesting so um what do you have Lars that you can share with us of of Bonnie's immediate contribution and change to the song I mean it would be the verse which you can play uh which that yeah that's her melody that you know her and, and Nate worked on together And this was actually from the original. Yeah, this so this goes back to the original version. Yeah, and then back to Bonnie. Right, right. And we 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 spent. This is like again, like when you when you write this way, where like every piece of the puzzle is like you know. Sometimes there are songs just. In, everything kind of comes out quickly. And yeah, like waiting like for your this. love took one day. Yeah, the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. But then this this took you know months of just like like you being like oh I want to change this lyric or yeah ah, these ly- like I just can't get it to feel right. right. And then I think we've even recalled it after the master. Yeah, <laughs> um, to change a lyric. Yeah, and then the bridge. You know that bridge came. Oh yeah, we changed that. So I wonder so, if you have the old one. Uh, the uh, demo. Old. I don't know if the demo. Does the demo have a bridge yet? Let's see. Yep. <laughs> kind of goes minor and yeah. like. I like this. I like this, but yeah, definitely. A little... Oh yeah, it's way darker. This was a Yeah. Yep, and then yeah. it became a different thing. Because <laughs> yeah. I remember being in another. We were in like the little room, and we were trying with the mug, trying to get something interesting out of it. And we just kept the chords from the chorus. And I was just distorting this mug, and he would found this melody. And then you even redid it later. Yeah. And I don't have that because we just scrapped it. Mm. And yeah. we went back to this one, which is the original bridge, or now the the bridge that's there, which is like. Which that's just the a distorted mug. This is one of those things where it's funny, I think like a lot of the time what I am prone to want to do is like change some chords. Uh, maybe make it more minor and darker and this is the same the, the most extreme version of that happened with waiting for your love actually where we put this bridge in that was um like musically really cool but just momentum wise just killed it and it, something yeah. i feel like i've learned and we talked more about with this record is that like when you're watching an audience hear a song you see like just dynamically how important it is to sometimes like just not break from what you're doing and so this is the release not 
the place for new information. It's the time to like glide. It's yeah, the time, it's time to, to cash in on all this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I you know the other thing I think Nate and I discussed a lot starting this record was like things not being epic because we yeah. we have a tendency to always make things like epic. Let's stack a ton of vocals yeah, and, and get that like big reverb. Cl- big kicks and claps. And yeah. this was like, this record was really trying to be uh, restrained and more minimal and more like kind of drum and bass. Tight, tight and dry. Yeah, tight and dry was always the theme. Like we would always, you know, Nate was always like, ah, oh, let's take some of that slap off. Let's let's dry it up. And, I, you know, I just, just keep it simple in that way. Just... But, you know, I think especially now listen to hip hop a lot and everything else that, you know, it's like they don't rely on chord changes to change it up. It's it's just like using what you started that loop out with. And I think that's what we try to do with all the different like girl vocals that are in there and these things, just like using those as much as you can and, and in different ways during the song. Mm. Um, but what at what point did you think, right, we've we've got this nailed now? Oh, that doesn't. It never. I mean, you yeah. know, I guess this is where be. This is where if you're the producer th- that um, trying to put some necessary boundaries on uh, the writer <laughs> that keeps coming back with um, like just even like pronoun changes. Yeah, like just little. Whether I would it's say he it to gets, she or it or just to... it's the like whatever. <laughs> it just it. But with Nate, it, it gets there. But I still have things there. I mean, it's I'm I, sure I will, you oh, I right will always be laying in bed and going, "Fuck! If only I could." <laughs> yeah. Shoot, this only makes sense if I would have said this here. Yeah. But um, there will always be that. That's yeah. just I think that's the personality. And and to me, it's it's a it's that like spending the hours in the studio, you know, not having total trust and faith in your ears in those moments but the kind of the ones where you walk away and you almost listen in the most like non-consequential environment and knowing like we've been hearing something a a certain way for a long time and then suddenly just realized oh this is what's not right not not that it's not working but just that it's like this is how it could be a little better it's it's definitely not done until it's been released and even then (laughs) which we could talk about especially beyond the pale is actually that the most extreme version of that but we'll get there yeah we will get onto that in just a minute so what you were making you thought complaining should be a bit faster to make it faster did you act just like a dj and just adjust the pitch control or or Uh, do do you have to re-record things it's a beautiful thing called x form and pro tools that i would just keep bumping it up which I guess it's within, re- like, there's a point where... Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think it was only, like, four or five by the time we yeah. were done. Mm-hmm. So X-Form, I feel, can get you get you there without losing too much quality. But, yeah, yeah I would just do it that way. So that sounds quite simple. No, that, that, Yeah, and, and uh, then... it just takes hours. You would just do it and leave it overnight. Right. Because it's a pretty heavy algorithm. I mean, having the luxury to listen, like, let's try listening it. Two BPM faster. Okay, that feels okay. Let's try three. Now that's too fast. Like being able to kind of A B things like that is not the way that we used to think. So being able to have that luxury now and be yeah and not think about like do we need to retake it? All these things. The, but yeah, that was the other thing that I think Nate was. It was very interesting because on records before vocals are kind of the last thing, and I actually think now they're. You know, they would track the record, and by the time they were done, it was just a quick thing to do the vocal real fast because it was usually getting live band takes down. And now it's more about spending time on the vocals, and he comes back and changes the lyric, and it's a work in progress the whole time. Yeah. Same with the instrumentation. It's not like once the music's locked, that's it. It's like now we can still hack something up and move something around. And basically, even in mixing, Nate's like, oh, I want to punch this vocal. And that's just how it goes. And that I think that's actually the most freeing thing about doing it this way is just mm. being dynamic about how we work. Yeah, yeah. I think we should hear Complainer as it eventually ended up and as it is on the album. But in a way, could is it, it. is it possible, do you think, that we could hear that as it built up stage by stage or, or else kind of instrument uh, by instrument so that we get to the full thing? Let's see what Matt can do. Yeah, so that's just the the drums that. Yeah, just the, the this is 
uh, I think Asa had a few things on his laptop. We were just listening to really like kind of skeletal ideas. And I. Yeah. We can do the bass. Yeah. Which was, this was uh, Compton's uh, Hoffner ripoff yeah. that cost him $200. That is one of my favorite bases. Yeah. Which was then, I believe, reamped later through a flip top ampeg. Uh huh, uh huh. Live claps. That's Asa and Compton. Uh, that guitar is your silver tone that we use on every yeah, single everything, record. Everything. Everything. Uh, and I think I want to say that that's either my box amp or a really dirty trick is just, is just uh, direct. It's guitar rig, which don't tell anybody. Mo- it's either we that. We have the, the vintage too. super reverb too, but I don't know. Maybe we didn't even get to it. This nah. <laughs> it's usually it's actually usually. I love not knowing the little box amp. <laughs> I have a little box amp with the um, yeah, and I use the Earthquaker Dispatch nice. Maker for reverb. And that's basically what all that is. Horns are horns, Compton played through instruments, I believe. Yeah, which again was a big stretch for yeah. You were kind of nervous about it. Yeah, it was like, but the feeling that this song has of how so much I think restraint yeah I mean it is, doesn't even play a line it's just feel. like a little yeah. thing it, yeah. that just adds such a cool texture and there's that bridge uh huh uh huh and that was just cranked is it actually my Moog sub 37 cranked uh-huh. through the it's usually the kind break. of thing where I'll get something pretty quick and they'll be like that's great and then I'll try to do it like 15 more times and get a whole bunch of more notes in it and make it this crazier thing and then Lars would be like it's not better (laughs) and I'd be like no I know I know I just wanted to try to get more notes in there you know that's how it goes yeah it's just like adding those vocals that bell sound Compton added. I wanted it to get bigger after the bridge, but it's really basic tracking. It's just yeah. little bits and things that are, you know, with the female vocals and the, yeah. Fantastic. Love it. You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. Many of our guests on Tape Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labelling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organise set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favourite features within Tape It Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tape It sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favour. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give Tape It a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off Tape It Pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. 
So that is Complainer. The next song we yep. are going to look at is Dirt in My Eyes, um, which right. is different again. So, I mean, just in terms of, uh, as a question from a Cold War Kids fan's perspective, so in terms of members of the band that we would see on stage, who is in the room playing on these tracks? So obviously we've got Nate, Nathan. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, Dave Kwan, uh, guitar player, played some things on this that I'm going to, as we listen, I'll remember. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this was band members on stage, I think just the two of us on this song Yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. Is, is that the case for the rest of the record or, or does, is it a song it by song It always varies. Yeah, yeah, song by song, definitely. Um, but yeah, with Dirt, it definitely started the similar, this started in the same three days that we had with right, Asa. Right, So this was another one that uh, came out of that same Came out of original. that session, which has a very similar starting point. Yeah. Just Bonnie didn't drums and this. Drums and bass line. But I think it's the same personnel except for Bonnie. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we can start with that one. Yeah, yeah, no, that'd be great. I mean, should we work the other way around? Should we hear Dirt in My Eyes and then deconstruct? Sure, why don't, yeah, why don't you hear it and... That sounds great. So that that intro was actually an error from Pro Tools that happened to me once, where it looped, it just played those two bass notes over and over by accident, and Nate was like, what is that? And I was like, that's sweet. So I made that happen and used that as the intro, put a flanger on it. I think in the demo, actually, it's a different key, so we have to go listen to that. I think we might have changed the keys mm. for Nate to sing. Sure. Um, which we have the demo here, I think, coming in. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm interested to see what the vocals are. I don't remember. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so that we had to find it where he didn't have to sing falsetto. Wow. Yep. Yeah, this is way different. We liked. I, I, I don't remember how many. We went through a bunch of, like him and I in the room figuring out what. I think we loved falsetto for a while. Yeah. And then and then we're like, ah. oh, this has the bridge, which was the pre. Oh no. Lower as well. We sped this one up as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I love again though. Like we we would never have previous to making this record have had a demo that was like so dry. Yeah, I love hearing totally. it like that. It's cool. And Nate sings on a fifty-seven throughout the record. Like that's all we use in the studio. So that demo vocal, like that way, I always record on that same mic. Even the the final vocals, just in case, because there's sometimes there's ad libs that I keep from everything, right? So that everything can be united, um, if you need exactly. to exactly you know, chop and yep. change. And you were saying, Lars, um, while we were uh, listening to music, that um, often when you track things, you, whatever effects you come up with for each individual instrument that you like the sound of that you're going to use, you you keep those on as you record them. So it's not yeah. something you apply afterwards necessarily. You get no, the sound. And... I, I feel like that's half of the inspiration is the sound of it. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Like, And my thing is just go and like the sound will kind of lead you and make you write different things. Um, but this song came, I remember it was, I think it was another drum loop, which I don't, I, but it was very simple. And then same thing with Compton and um, Nate handing the bass back and forth. And uh, the more groove that a core kid song has the i feel like the better it it is and so these like between dirt and complainer were just like let's get rad bass sweet, and drum grooves. grooves yeah um because then the rest you can just you know can float on top of it 
but that's the foundation being the bass and drums, which can we just play the bass and drums? Yeah, please do. Yeah, this song, these two songs, t- I think, took the longest and became my two favorite. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just like, I feel like sometimes, like, Waiting for Your Love just falls out. Yeah, And you're right, like, great, right. it's done. Right. Like, it is what it is. This is amazing. And this yeah. one, it because they were kind of a stretch for this band, it was like making it comfortable and making it feel right and all these things. Uh, again, the thing of like... Um, well, also it, because... It's in playing more with chord changes that are a little bit, I don't know, for us, more complex more like musical i don't know yeah something you would never do totally and i I feel like this is a modern song in the way that the verse and chorus have the same chords uh it's the same bass throughout the whole thing but we only flip it here and it's the second pre which we can play which Mm. yeah just has like mellotron and and a very different mood shift which i think is really nice the Moog to make that transition sound that yeah you did your Farfisa trick on this oh playing Farfisa and is it that you unplug it no you you hold the cord and flip the switch which is there a stem let's see it right at the goes, end it goes yeah you, it literally powers down yeah 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 sorry it goes up yeah that right and you use that quite a lot throughout the course of the song. Is that right? Am I, is that uh, sound no, it's hearing? just that little thing. Just it's that... just when it works. <laughs> I found out by accident once it got unplugged when somebody was playing something, and it, and it goes up in pitch, and I was like, oh, that's so rad. So every once in a while, it's a great way to transition. That's the only time it happens in the song, right. but I've done that before. Because there are these these kind of backward sounds which remind me as, as if you – if you were so, I reference being a DJ because I am a DJ. A little uh, yeah. knack is that to you know when you turn off a deck and you get a nice kind of slowing down sound. And uh, I know I've heard it in quite a few different records, and I always think it's a kind of DJ thing. But you know, one time I was talking to Black Keys about this, and they said, "Oh no, that's just this effects pedal that we." Do. All I do is just step on it. Oh then, yeah, I mean you could do it in Pro Tools. You can do it anyway. Mm. So this was just like an interesting way to do that. I just found it by accident one day, and now it's kind of a cool thing to throw in. And but yeah, there's a or, lot going on, and there's also the reverse snare, like we were talking about. Oh we yeah, do you about? want to play right before? It's like there's a reverse drum section. It was just. I think there's a Clash song that does this kind of well, thing. Well, and there's the, yeah, there's that. We were listening to Clash, that, and then there's the like, Beastie Boys Paul Revere. Yeah. That, like we oh, were yeah. talking about. And that's just yeah. me. I just reversed every hit for that little phrase, just to give you like a little ear break. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then we have the, I guess, the bridge yeah, can of we play the bridge? this song that is really kind of the most out there thing I feel like for us like which on that same tip actually the police and thieves thing this always reminded me of the clash uh, police on my back it kind of does like a siren kind of thing like this this guitar part that's happening That, can you solo the guitar? That that is actually a guitar running through. <laughs> I got really really into these line six. Oh yeah, you're... it's the rack mount purple line six, which is basically just the synth pedal. Which I think I got literally that day, and I was like, oh, let's try this. And you were like, we yeah. put it in there, and yeah, it's side yeah, chain. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But that's the thing. It's like if you get that one little piece of gear and it gets you something, it was right. you know it was worth it for that. Yeah. That's how I sleep at night, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean for this this section, just 
is the most exciting thing to me like about i don't know just like progress we've made and and like incorporating new sounds and new vibes and things that are like it just feels like very evolved for cold war kids this this whole section and and like i don't know instrumentation wise and arrangement wise and sonically it's heavy and cool and different yeah this is actually my favorite one on the record i think i think and it's just like, that heavy blah, 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 like heavy move which, that's wait, bouncing like can you play that yeah There's just like solo that move I, I just i love that blah, 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 blah. actually that was the voyager next door oh okay that was the yeah that's i love that sound god this is good actually because when i think about doing remixes for this one like that's so rad to hear that solo like (laughs) there's so the thing about nate too is you only get it once he can't play it again twice (laughs) (laughs) so that is definitely the first time he played Uh that melody uh and the last time he played it like with all those little inflections that's that's the beauty of nate it all comes out but you gotta get you gotta grab it because it might never come out that way again yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I, there's, which I think is great, is there's not a ton of double vocals ever, because Nate does it different every time. So you're not going to be able to double anything like that. Which I don't want him doubled. I don't think he sounds that good doubled. But like, it's by, by it's the all way it very works. spontaneous. Yeah. yeah, it's capturing good good things, and and like like we always say, it's like a lot of times it's the first few attempts at something that you get a fresh thing, and and. Having the luxury to go back and change later is great, but usually it's it's the early ideas that stick. Mm. And then does it say having Asa and Compton doing their thing and doing it in the way that they do it, then you know take them out of the equation when it's Cold War Kids on a stage, you know, d- d- right? I mean that goes back then <clears throat> to to the essence of what Cold War Kids were like, and and you know you you maintain that kind of feel, or or is it a problem? Is it does it present a challenge? Um. No, I mean, I, I guess, uh, I guess it's not a a problem. It's just the dynamic of how things work for us, and um, it's part of to me like focusing on the strengths of writing and setting up the environment to get the best results. So, the way that Lars and I made L.A. Divine, New Age Norms One is definitely a continuation of that. Like not being precious about who did what, getting cool sounds that we get excited about, and running with it. Um, New Age Norms 2, um, we did with producer Sean Everett. We're still actually finishing. And it, it, it's totally different approach. Much more like all five of us performed it live. And uh, so, yeah, both of these sides of Cold War Kids are important. So, you, so you, you're shaking things up in different ways. So you've got this lovely yes. thing going on with Lars that uh, continues um, through New Age Norms 1. And and yeah. has worked so well, but then you're, you're challenging yourself further. You can't help but shake things up, can you? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost. <laughs> I mean, a, you have to. You yeah. know, it's like I, I think of it like you know, you spend as a band just the nature of it. You spend so much time on tour, which is a great thing. Um, you know, so much of our money comes from, and it's where so much of the, you know our ability to spread the word and 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 show people the music. But I saw this so early on for us and you see this in other bands that either get really comfortable with that and then it very much makes sense that you you do things the same way because it's kind of all that you have bandwidth for you can challenge yourself still within those same boundaries but yeah i don't know i mean I, uh, another way to say it is like when all you do is work you have to make each part of it fun <laughs> because between writing recording and touring like you know, and whatever the infinite other sides of making and promoting and all the stuff that comes with, with Cold War Kids anyway, but probably any band is that you, it's all consuming. And so it has to be, it has to sort of renew. So there's just a lot of new things. It's always changing for sure. (laughs) Yeah. From Complainer to Dirt in My Eyes to Beyond the Pale, which is the third song we're going to listen to. And this is quite a contrast to the other two um, in terms of, you know, those have got these great grooves and, you know, you can kind of uh, get locked into them. And this is, 
a piano ballad, really, for want of a better description. That's how I'm thinking of it. I mean, would you agree? What, what, what? How do you view this? Yeah, um, there's a certain, for lack of a better phrase, piano ballad type of thing that I think we've been trying to capture. I mean, I've been chasing it since we start. Like, I remember Yellow Divine trying to find because I just think Nate's voice can carry a song with a piano. And like, you know, he needs his Adele, Sam Smith moment. I just think if you could get that, and I think we did with this song, but I've chased that forever. Why yeah. just this like only piano, only vocal um, thing. Cause I think, you know, he sounds great that way. Mm. And it, it's, it, it's very vulnerable. <laughs> it's yes. very, you're, you're naked when you, when you go there and when you do that, doing it with, I guess like all the, quirk and nuance that is consistent with all the characteristics of Kohler kids and at the same time you know can be so classic as to be a song that stands on its own um it's a hard thing to do and it's it's uh this song okay so this song our friend Mickey Echo um we've known him for years uh our guitar player Dave Kwan used to tour with him Great guy, great writer. He obviously wrote Rihanna Stay, which is one of my favorite songs ever written. Um, we So we wanted him to come in and just kind of like, just write together. Just kind of see what he would bring just by being in the room. And uh, so I think Dave Kwan was at piano. Mickey was probably just kind of hovering, cruising around the room, um, singing little ditties, yeah. just vibing. And was, I was also... There was four ideas that came out that day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this song was now. written in like uh, an hour. Yeah. Because we did four ideas that day. And so the music to it was done in an hour. Yeah. And then Nate wrote the lyrics, which was pretty quick. Yeah. Um, And then the really funny thing is... <laughs> yeah. We did an acoustic version because we do acoustic versions of some of the singles for Spotify and, and whatnot. And we always have usually some strings and maybe some choir or, you know, group of people sing. And so the we had the same uh, women who sang on Complainer come and sing for these acoustic versions. And it sounded amazing. So we retracted in the original <laughs> song. And I believe the vinyl... The vinyl doesn't have it. The first it, pressing of vinyl will yes. not have <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the female, female background. Uh, because yeah. that happened way late in the game. Yeah. Wow. So, so there's a pressing of, of the vinyl that doesn't have the backing vocals that should be on Beyond the Exactly. Vinyl. Amazing. Right, exactly. Right, right. And do you have the so serial we... numbers? <laughs> 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 so, yeah. So back to Beyond the Pale, uh, again, did the acoustic sort of live version, which was the only difference was that I was singing it at a Wurlitzer and um, same uh, three girls, Mariko, Violet and Pearl. But uh, we had him do this, this very simple kind of um, ooze kind of a thing. And, and uh, that ended up being something that we needed to put um, on the record way yeah. after the fact. But amazing. Um, um, let's, even though from what you're saying, Nate, the still that you did this song in an hour, the the basic um, essence of Beyond the Pale was achieved in in that first hour, and it'd be great to hear yeah. that demo, um, and then uh-huh. yep. get to hear these different contrasting versions that you ended up with, and that you were compelled to completely change at the last minute, which is really amazing. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I want to see what happens in this. Is it Mickey singing the chorus? I don't know. That's funny. Yep, yep, there's Mickey. And David's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, somebody yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's how oh, that man, was that's written. Cool. 
So yeah, that was all there, all yeah. those melodies. That's crazy. Um, and that's like for me, when things come that fast, it's like the greatest gift. But it's also, I have to then carry the tension of knowing, like, man, I got to write some great lyrics to this, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah. which really <clears throat> can, like, if I don't, like, like it can sometimes scare the shit out of me. It can make me very like, oh my god, oh my god, if I don't find the thing, whatever, like angle or something that feels really fresh and that feels not shallow ballad or something like it can't just be some kind of love song or some kind of relationship song it has to be something that has a little bit you know not that there's anything necessarily new about it but like this approach that lyrically it's kind of a story of being away from the person that you love and and flirting with the temptation of the other people that are around you which is very much the story of our lives i for me being married and having a family and also spending so much of my life on tour and in like you know in venues and and around people that i don't know every day and every night and how in some ways bizarre that is um for a relationship and the trust and everything that comes with it and like all that stuff felt like for me something i hadn't heard exactly before and uh yeah yeah it's incredibly candid and honest and um you can clearly get a little picture of what it must be like for for you but for any traveling uh. person traveling musician you know caught up in these different situations you know where home life is fantastic you've got this amazing family and yet the reality of a different place every day a different bunch of people every day and and yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, really honestly portrayed and very emotionally portrayed. You now you can see the crisis that you might be putting yourself into. You now it's uh, quite a different slant on these things. So, I mean, after achieving so much in that first hour with with Mickey, um, how did you then think? Right, you no. Know, well, obviously, uh, Nathan, you were thinking about the lyrics and thinking, right, I've got to go and write some some great lyrics. But in terms of taking the song further musically what did you next do uh, i mean it, it's it, we, like, we so little um, yeah it was just kind of figuring out the lyrics because it really i mean we tried it needed to Compton, be there but that was it there's only one sub bass at the end of the song that's barely audible uh i think the danger of going further into production before before the lyrics are there is something that we sort of talk about something that we're, I think we're always a little bit aware of um, not trying to build something around a song that doesn't have lyrics yet because it feels a little bit like you know you're building a house and the but the person who's who you're building it for doesn't live there yet isn't familiar with it yet it needs to have the identity and uh, everybody's different with this I think like there are people that probably put so much emphasis on having a lyric at the start you know which I guess is like people will call like a Nashville type of writing where, you know, they'll have like a paper and pen and the lyric and melody is the first thing and building music around that is totally secondary. You know, and then the opposite, like um, working in a studio and what I think is probably a more really common pop way is that you build up a track and you get a vibe and, and you start getting some vocal melodies and and finishing that lyric, I guess it depends on who it's for, but it's, maybe there's a multiple people that are working on it. Or, But um, for us, for Cold War Kids, finding that right space, is it's very delicate. And so that's part of the reason that I think for me, I like to go in and sing something, even if it's not totally done, so that I feel like the thing is there and the you know, whatever changes I want to make down the line. Like I, it, it's like that thing where I've, I've moved in, I, I brought my stuff. It's not all my stuff, but like I, I, it gives me a sense of like calm and peace to know, like I'm here, I'm here to stay. This thing is real and it's all going to be great. Even if it's not all here yet. Yeah. And so, I mean, did, did you then go and so you got the body of lyric done and then you could return to, to evolving the song musically or, or, no. Yeah, well, I mean, for in the case of this one, again, it was like once I once I sang it and probably made you know lyric changes here and there, but 
Well, yeah, it's it's actually it's the all, piano. Yeah, it's was, all there is. Yeah, the piano was the demo piano. It's just what it was. Yeah, huh. so and, and that type of raw feeling, which even even trying sounds, even like you know, putting a sub bass in there or putting a string thing in there, it, you know, there's like a kind of a feeling of like uh, that, that you could break it if you do it wrong. And well, yeah, but remember, I feel like we probably once every three days. Nate, would I would like, try to sneak something. What about in. if we just put some drum? And yeah. we'd be like, no, yeah. no, 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 like, no, no. Which that's what I, that's what you act as the restraint. Yes, <laughs> which is so good because I definitely would want to try more things, but I would know that yeah, I could get lost if I. Um, Ballads only work when they're so good that they're compelling that it's just a vocal and piano. And I knew that this song worked that well that way because you know you always try to do that first and then you're like ah we need to put drums on this but when we talk like when we talk about something like an adele or sam smith or something like that that is definitely has more production on sort of a sparser thing i think we're also being true to this cold war kids aesthetic thing that is a little more raw and a little rougher than those references so yeah it's kind of this our guidebook for what we're sticking to is like it's so many years in the in the works that it's hard to describe. Mm. So we, we, you say that you kept the demo version of the piano for the finished track. I mean, when you recorded that piano, did you put reverb on it, or was it is that just the sound of the room that we hear? That's just the sound. Yeah, that's probably the sustain. There's right. nothing else on it. Yeah, uh, it's just basically two four fourteens behind the piano. That's it. So it really is simple. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's super. I mean, I literally think there's four tracks in this session, and then wow. the female vocals. But yeah, there's just nothing. So let's maybe could we hear those four tracks and then hear the female vocals? So in in, in effect, we're gonna we'll hear how you thought it was complete, and then after trying other things for this this acoustic and string version, then you got the backing vocals and added them. I'm, I'm intrigued to know. For people who have though the vinyl press that went out without the backing vocals, I mean, I'm intrigued to know whether they'll be able to realize this if they, if they listen to it on a streaming service or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I'll be yours beyond the pale. There's temptation all around me, but I stay anyway. I'll be yours. It's not a sin. Starving for emotion It seems so innocent In the dark And you're lighting me up With a spark And I share too many secrets Now I'm lost but So I that's the man We take him out you Cause I've already got somebody Somebody waiting when it starts. So that's about the, that'll be what's on the vinyl. Right. And then can you solo the girls? And we actually had to retract them because it was a different tempo. Oh, yeah. We didn't use the same. Uh, we didn't use the same one as the acoustic versions either. Yeah. They came, we brought them back in like a week later. Hmm. And Nathan's original vocals, so that's done listening to the recording of his playing the piano. He's not playing and singing at the same time. No, actually, that's Quan playing piano. Yeah, right. Oh, right, well, okay. It's, yeah, it's Dave Quan playing piano. Yeah. And I think you playing the chorus. Okay. So, like, I think it, it literally switched. Um, but yeah, no, it was just a demo, and, and it just worked. And I, so I, to me, if it's not broken, I'm not going to redo it. It sounds great, and it has the right feel. And, th- and it, that piano is a Wurlitzer, like, upright that they've had forever so it's the right sound and everything so um for for singing nathan i mean you you mentioned that um you know you often when you're working through an idea you'll just be sitting on the couch and and just kind of casually holding the mic in your hand and and coming up with ideas so if you're going for the take um do you have the same approach or do you then go into an isolation booth or or no how do you approach he sits with his laptop literally where he's sitting right now because he's always has the lyrics going and he it's just a 57 on a stand with a pop filter 
and I don't know why I don't know. It, it takes comes out the easy. like the like okay now go do it. It's right. like no, we're right. just doing it. And right, we're always we'll doing. Talk it. We're always and doing. We'll, it. Yeah, we'll discuss something. Maybe he's like, "Ah, oh, what do you think of this lyric?" And we'll talk about it. And then it's just like it. It just goes. It takes the like, okay, now stand up, go in this room that I talk yeah. to you through a microphone, and it's just like we're just in the room working. And I feel like Nate always works better when it's more. It's not so official. Yeah, yeah it's like, casual. Things could change, and I think that that gives better performance. And I just noticed with Nate, it's just so much faster and. He, I feel like he's kind of distracted because he's still he's still like writing a lyric down or whatever, and it's not just like red light feet, you know, like okay, we're doing this for mm. real. It's just like it's just how it how it goes. We have a couple of repeat questions that we always ask people, and mm-hmm. before I ask those, um, is there anything else we should hear about Beyond the Pale, or should we? Uh, is there anything else we should listen to from those four tracks? I mean, that's it's <laughs> it is yeah, that's it. it. Is. I mean, I think it's we just, did it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll. I think what we'll do is end with a a burst of Beyond the Pale. But uh, what we'd like to do is ask everybody. Um, initially, what piece of advice would you give to any aspiring musician or producer? So that both applies to you, Nate, and uh, and to you, Lars. So, you know, you've been doing this a long time now. Do you have any advice for people? I mean, mine is just start doing it. Like whatever you have, whatever gear you have, whatever bands you're working with or artists, just do as much as you can because the more you do it the more you learn and the more experience you have i think that was when i started i just i interned at a big studio but i just started collecting things to do it on my own and i was doing stuff in garages and wherever just and always pay attention to what's happening in music as well just listen to new music even if you don't think you like it always be aware of what's happening i think it's something that a lot of people they stop doing that yeah yeah yeah. Ignite, do you have any particular advice for people? Yeah, I don't know. That that was a good one. Um for me, my uh knowing that like the thing that you're doing is not supposed to be perfect, it's supposed to be like you. You know, like that's so different for everyone. But I guess uh be vulnerable. Be be free with that thing that you're trying to show. Yeah. Um, on a more technical bent, is there one plug-in or one piece of kit you really love to use? Or we can turn that around and say, if the studio was burning down, what would you want to save? Uh, I mean, I mix in the box. I use, it's a very generic one, but I use the SSL, Waves SSL channel, like on everything. That's just my first thing that I go to to even shape stuff like that compressor on it is what's on his vocal that's what's on drums that's what's on everything that's what i use so much Mm. um but i mean my other thing is just i would say pro tools you know i feel like i use that as an instrument yeah yeah and and nathan you you mentioned a guitar you were mentioned earlier on that there's a guitar that has been on everything yeah we have a silver tone like uh i guess it's i think it's like a meteor but it uh, it's like redone. Yeah, the, the I don't guy know, it just sounds perfect. Did some mod to it that I, I bought it from years ago, and it just yeah, it's strange. It's just a just Colby sounds Kids like guitar, Colby. and that um, and the Wurlitzer, your upright piano. Yeah, it's like a spinet that just we, sounds like we had a couple different pianos that we sampled too, like that they, we still have the actual pianos, but like live Colder Kids uses a keyboard that has all these real upright samples that just sound so good i mean it, we we oh, we toured for years with like a yamaha cp80 and and that has a totally different sound um and we've tried different nords and different keyboards and stuff but using these samples um it's so important to the the feel and sound of the band and um so yeah, those uh, also, again, they're not physical things. So you're like, like what do you grab when it's yeah. burning? Piano well, samples? Yeah, no. I mean, also shout out to Dave for sampling those pianos yeah. for like one, hours one, and hours. One note by yeah. one note different at a time. velocities, Dave. Uh, yeah, there's different things that, like the Ampeg, the B15, that bass, that flip top, flip top. I mean, because I I find that we use, end up using the same things over and over, and I feel like yeah. that amp is one of those things that head or that guitar it's just to me once that thing is the thing that works it's great let's go when it came to mixing the album did you mix it yourselves or um did you go to you did yeah and also the way i work i feel like i'm already mixing while we're working 
So when it comes time to mix, it's like the last 10% of the track. It's not like I'm like, okay, now we're going to figure out the drum tone. It's like we already figured out the drum tone when we were writing it. So now it's just making it sound good and making sure that the vocals aren't too essy and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's been brilliant being able to talk to you in this way and to find out so much about these songs in particular and also about um, the, the kind of nature, the philosophy in a way, the spirit of Cold War Kids. That's that's kind of what yeah. we've been talking about, which is fascinating. Um, I'm going to let you go, and I think okay. we'll play out Beyond the Pale as a way of saying goodbye. And is this going to be a big moment in the live sets then? Um, is it is it going to be played live? I know that you were... Have you played it live? You know, it's weird as we haven't even played it live yet. Um I, just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> huge part. It's a huge part. Um, no, it's real though. Like I, um, we kind of did a, a stripped down thing last week for a small audience, like a really intimate thing with the kind of strings arrangement and everything. I haven't done it in a regular venue, like hyped up, rowdy, middle of a show kind of environment yet. And so I'm like, I'm actually kind of nervous about it and we'll see how it goes. I bet you smash it. I think it would be amazing. Um, All right. Thank you again. Thank you, Lars. Thank, thank you, you yeah. Yep. And thank this, you. this is Beyond the Pale. It is Cold War Kids on Tape Notes. How many nights have I been away? These hotel walls all look the same. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have a moment, do tell your friends and leave us a review. It all really helps. Thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show. I'm just one part of the team that brings you tape notes. It relies on your support. If you'd like to donate, please head to our website. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. I'll be yours. It's not a sin. Just a simple conversation. Don't mean anything in the dark And you're lighting me up with a spark And I share too many secrets, now I'm lost But I don't want to fall for you Cause I've already got somebody Somebody waiting at home Fix up, look sharp, have another drink Miss Carl.